The following is a podcast of Echo, a middle school ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, visit lifeatvictory.com slash middle school. Good morning, Echo. How are we feeling today? I can't be the only one with some energy this morning. Hey, look, I just really believe that we got some overcomers in the house. Is anybody an overcomer? Come on, let me just hear you real quick. Yes, this is what I'm talking about. You know, the Bible teaches us, Scripture teaches us that through the power of Christ, that we actually, that, that we have actually have more, or that we're more than conquerors. Come on. And uh, today we're starting a standalone message, a standalone series, if you will, about overcoming. And uh, we're going to talk about a huge struggle that so often entangles our lives. And today I want to talk about overcoming something that, quite honestly, God has really been dealing with my heart and really teaching me. So I'm just going to, for, for, for a lack of better words, throw up on you what God's been throwing up on me. Does that sound okay today? And, uh, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about overcoming the curse of comparison, overcoming the curse of comparison. But first, if you're new to our church, I wanted to take a moment and, and tell you why, we, why we're here, why we exist. So we exist as a church and a youth group so that all people can realize that God loves them unconditionally. God loves you unconditionally. That's so true. And, uh, you know, we're all about students being known, needed, and nobody forgotten about. I love our small group models. Our small groups are amazing. They're so much fun. Anybody, you just excited to be plugged in with your leader? Okay. Right, we'll work on that next week. Thank you, Jesus. We're a work in progress. And, uh, but by the way, I just wanted to remind you, if you didn't know, you belong in your family. You belong. If I haven't said it to you, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. You know, we want everybody in our family to know God to know God. And we believe that, that you'll get to know God. If you'll keep coming to the weekend services, you'll get the tools and the resources to grow in right relationship with God. To really, it's a launching pad so that you can grow in your relationship with him. We really believe that and uh, amen to that. I want to give you a glimpse into the next two weeks because they're huge. Somebody say huge. Huge. They're going to be so big. <clears throat> especially because we're going to be talking about vision for our family. And so next week, Alyssa and I, we're going to be sharing really big news with y'all. Really, really big news. And I'm so excited. I, I, I want you here to hear it. If you, if you look around the room and you're missing your friend, somebody's missing it, tell them you got to come next week because we're sharing big news. Are we having a baby? Ah, you got to come. You got to find out what the big news is. It's going to be so much fun. I'm excited for it. And then, uh, like I said, the next two weeks, we're talking about where we're going in 2019 and, and, and what I believe God has in store for us. So it's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. It's good stuff. We're going to go ahead. We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 10, 12. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and turn there. If you brought your cell phone with you today, pull it out. But don't be on Instagram or mom book or Snapchat. But go ahead and get out the Bible, the, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. We're going to go through God's word together. And I want to encourage you to take notes this morning. Listen, I really believe this. You've got to be an echo before you can be, before you can be a voice. There, there's, a, there's a young woman that comes every Saturday night. And, uh, and I'll just tell you what her name is. I get so fueled by it, so encouraged because she takes notes every single service. And, and when she sits down in small groups, I mean, she could tell you what the whole message is. And you know what's so awesome about that? I really believe this, that, that God will pull that up out of the well of your heart in the right time when you need it. It might not be for you. It might even be for somebody else. So I encourage you, take notes. Note takers are history makers. Somebody say, come on. All right, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 10, 12. 
2 Corinthians. And I want to I wanna start with Paul in 2 Corinthians. And Paul's saying this. I, I, I just love this. We're going to jump right in. <clears throat> of course, we wouldn't dare put ourselves in the same class or compare ourselves with those who rate themselves so highly. They compare themselves to one another and make up their own standards to measure themselves by. And, they, and then they judge themselves by their own standards. What self-delusion. He said, they're only comparing themselves to each other. They're, they're, they're using themselves as a standard of measurement. He says, you know, you know how ignorant, how you know, when, when, when our friends look at each other, when we look at our friends and, and we're like, man, their parents just have so much money, right? They got such a nice house. And well, well, look how well so-and-so plays basketball. They just got their game together. And look at the boy that she's dating. Would you just look at that? How ignorant. Paul's saying to compare yourself and to compare. In fact, one of the problems if you're taking notes is, 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 is this with comparison. In comparing, it does two things. It'll either make you feel superior or inferior, and neither honors God. What do I mean by that? Superior means you feel like you're above someone else. You're better than everybody else around you. What does inferior mean? You, you, you kind of feel lower. I don't know if you've ever felt like this and you're in a group of people. You kind of feel like, I don't fit in. I don't have what it takes. They play the sport better than me, right? You, you feel inferior, Neither of those honor God. There's no win in comparison. When you have comparison, you always want er, like er, right? If someone's happy, you want to be happier. If someone's nice, you want to be nicer. If somebody has a nice cell phone, what do you want? You want the nicer cell phone. And, and, and we always want plus er. And the problem with er is it actually will turn to ist. You want to be the richest. The happiest, the fastest, the coolest, the most popular, right? And you can write down today's title of our talk. Go ahead and write this down. Overcoming the curse of comparison. And I, I just believe as, as we pray and, and we jump into this that, that God's going to minister to our heart. And we're, he's going to reveal some things to us. He's going to strengthen us and encourage us today. Does that sound good? Somebody say, come on. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you and we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. I thank you, Jesus, for opening our eyes, opening our eyes so we can see you, Jesus. Open our ears so we can hear you so clearly, Holy Spirit. And, and we just thank you for doing what only you can do in this time and in this setting and in our hearts, God. And I thank you for revealing to us who we are in you, Christ. We just thank you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, chances are, <clears throat> chances are pretty good that at some point in your life that you're, you're, you'll be satisfied until you look over to the left and until you see that someone else has something a little bit better than yourself. Until you realize that maybe, maybe they're treated a little bit better than you, right? I, I think the first time that, that I really remember being hit with comparison was when I got a brand new airsoft gun for Christmas. Where, where's my airsoft players at? Anybody in here? You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what airsoft is, basically it's a BB gun designed to shoot each other with friends, right? You can hunt. It's like paintball, if you will, but a lot more affordable. It's pretty cool. I love it. And so it was Christmas Day, and my, and my family and I, we had just got done cleaning up all the wrapping paper, in, and, and we had Christmas movies on the TV. 
I had laid out all of my airsoft guns, and, and if you play airsoft in here, then you know, you never know. You know what I'm saying? So, so you kind of got like this underlining role to keep your gun loaded, because you never know when your brother, your sister, your friend is going to come at you. So you got to be ready, cock-locked, ready to rock. And, and so, so, of course, I'm ready. I am ready. Come on, I got two brothers. You just never know. I'm the middle child. I might get pummeled someday, even today. And so, and so I'm sitting there. They're all loaded, ready to go. And I look over, and my younger brother just so happens to have my brand-new airsoft gun, revolver. It's loaded. I know it. And so, so he looks at me. I'm looking at him, looking at me, looking at him. Looking over at my mother, who is sitting there in her recliner, watching a Christmas movie, so comfortable. He looks back at me with the creepiest grin, smiles ear to ear, looking at me, looking at him, looking at my mother, pulls the trigger and shoots my mom right in the foot, right bare skin, bare skin. My mom gets up out of the chair. She's, she's so mad. She says, Ben! And I can't complete the rest of the sentence because we're in church right now. But let me just tell you, I got the whooping of a lifetime. My mom was so mad. She went from happy, skip, sad, felt like kicking my butt, right? She came at me, bro. And it was pretty intense. And I was so upset because often in, in my life, and maybe you can relate, my brothers were treated better than me. So I compared myself to the way my family treated my brothers. I compared to my, myself to the way my family treated me. And, and, and so I want to talk about overcoming the curse of comparison. And I'll say it this way. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. I, I really believe that this is going to talk to some of us today. The, it, 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 the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. It's like, you know, when you have your cell phone, you love your cell phone, your cell phone's cool, you got the best phone, it's fun, it's cool, you love your cell phone, it's amazing, you got the best phone ever. And then, and then all of a sudden you look over and your friend gets her iPhone XR and you're like, oh, come on, hashtag left behind. Now, 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 I'm not the, now I don't got the cool phone and, and the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. So you can write this down today if you're taking notes. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Wherever comparison begins, contentment ends. And it's never been easier in the world than today to compare. In, in the whole history of the world, it's never been easier. Look at social media, right? You could be having a really good day. All of a sudden, you, put up, you pull up Instagram. You look at mom book. You're scrolling through, and, and you, you see everybody else having fun. And you're like, why ain't I having fun? How come I wasn't invited? Why didn't you tag me? I, I want to go there. I want to have a good time. And, 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 or maybe you see your friend and she's on, her, she's on her second. She's on her second vacation. And you're like, come on, bro. I don't even have enough money to go visit grandma. Holla at your boy. You're on your second vacation. And, and she's like sitting there. She's by the pool. She's got her book. She takes a picture of her feet right by the pool. Book by my feet, overhanging the pool, and you're just like, you're looking at it. You're like, I hate your feet. I hate your book. I hate your pool. Am I preaching to anybody today? <laughs> okay, okay. It's so easy to lose content. It is so easy to lose content. And the problem comes when you start to compare our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. 
By the way, did you realize that social media is designed to be a highlight reel? Come on. I'm not going to post a picture of my daughter throwing up in the middle of the night. Everybody would be like, oh, uh. no, I'm going to picture the, the fun moment, the cool moment. So we got to realize that when we look at social media, it's the highlight. Everybody has stuff going on that they're navigating behind, behind the scenes. That's normal. We all go through things. And, 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 and if you're like, if you're sitting there and you're always consumed and you're looking at so-and-so and they're having fun and oh, what, what eventually will happen is, is you'll begin to feel like my life stinks because everybody else gets to do this and that and, 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 and before you know it, you find yourself really miserable. Anybody ever been there looking at social media? Come on, I can't be the only one honest in the house of God today. Come on, there we go. And, and I want to dive in and I want to look at a few different portions of Scripture today. And I really believe that, that God's going to do something in our heart in, in a very powerful way. And, and so the portions of Scripture that we're going to jump in today, it's not only incredibly powerful, but I think it's hilarious. I think it's really funny. When you read the Bible, when you actually jump in and you read the Bible and you, you begin to recognize that, that we're reading about very real people navigating very real struggles, it, become, it becomes actually, it, it'll actually become very entertaining and sometimes even funny. And, and so we're going to go to John chapter 20, and I'm going to show you about a little conflict apparently going on between two of the disciples, Peter and John. And uh, I was listening to a pastor, his name's Craig Rochelle, and, and he was talking about how Peter and John didn't like each other. I thought, well, how could they not like each other? I mean, they're, they're Jesus' disciples. He picked them. That's like, how do they not like each other? And, and the more I think about it, and the more I jumped into it, I can see what he was talking about. And, and, and that's what I want to share with you because there's actually some quieter and maybe not so quiet competition between the two. In fact, I'm going to give you some backstory before we read this. If you look all through the Gospels, Peter and John, they're always talking about who was sitting next to Jesus and who was closest to him and, and you know, who, who was his favorite and, and, and who he loves the most. And, and, and there's this kind of little competition between the two disciples because they're just regular people like you and I. Regular people. And John, in my opinion, if I could just be straight with you, pretty frank, I think John's pretty annoying. I really do. I, I think he's annoying, and, and, and this is why this is just my opinion, but, but, but if I were Peter, I probably would think John is pretty annoying, and, and one of the reasons is, is this. John, in his Gospels, he always writes in third person. That's just annoying. I don't know about you, but if you've ever met somebody that talks in third person, you're just like, ah. if that's you, there's healing. God can intervene in the name of Jesus, but it, it, it is annoying, and, uh, and, and it's just kind of crazy, and, and so, so John not only refers to him per, himself in third person, but you know what he calls himself? The one that Jesus loved. That's funny. That, that's pretty funny, and, uh, and the one that is his favorite, the one that Jesus loved. You should read your Bible. It's pretty funny. It's pretty awesome. I just encourage you, jump in there. It's powerful. Touch your life. And, uh, and I, it's kind of like Moses in the Old Testament. Moses in the Old Testament, listen how funny this is. He called himself the most humble person alive. That's pretty funny. Y'all tired today. I feel like I'm doing a great job cracking some jokes. I'm funnier than y'all think. I really am. <laughs> but uh, but John, John is in third person, and he's the one that Jesus loved. And, and so evidently, there's this competition. There's a little bit of competition going between. There's some tension. And Peter's comparing to John, and John's competing to 
Peter, and, and who's the favorite, who's the best, who's the fastest, and, and who's the greatest in the eyes of Jesus. And so context of John 20 is this. It was three days after Jesus died, okay? He was supposed to be in the tomb, but he wasn't. And, and, and when Moses got there, the tomb was rolled away, the, the, the stone was rolled away, the tomb's empty. And, and so she, she, what did, she didn't know what to think, she didn't know what to do. She beelines for the disciples. And, and so here's how the story goes. When I read it, I want you to notice how many times, how many times the apostle John makes it a, a, a point to say who's faster in a foot race, him or Peter. Check this out. This is so awesome. I think you're going to enjoy coming to church today. This is really cool. Check this out. Ready? The tomb's empty. Christ is risen. And John's so excited that he's faster than Peter. Watch this. In John 20, 2 through 4. Ready? So she, Mary, came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples. The one Jesus loved. John, you sly dog there. You slid it in there, right? Right? And he said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we, won't, we, won't, we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. So who is this? This is Peter and John. They, they, they were both running, but John, the other disciple, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. How much of a guy is this, right? He's just like, you got to know. You got to know. Just in case you were wondering, Christ is risen. Christ is risen, and I beat Peter to the tomb. I made it. I was there first. You know, I, I got there. So the Bible says that Simon Peter came along behind, there's number two, he made it a point to show you twice, number two, came behind and went straight into the tomb. And watch here for the third time that he just kind of rubs it in, in, in Peter's face. He, he goes, and finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. This is not almost, this isn't just ridiculous, this is hilarious, this is awesome. I don't know if you've ever done this with your, with your brothers or your sisters or your friends, you kind of just rub it in their face. I'd be I beat you. I won. I'm, I'm mom and dad's favorite. They love me the most. Yep. And you can only imagine how it starts off as they just beeline for the tomb and, and who's going to win the race. And, and so I'm going to continue as we go in the, in, in, into John chapter 21. I'm going to continue giving you backstory before we read the scripture behind me. And so now in John 22, the disciples are out fishing and and Peter, he says, let's, let's go fishing. And so they're out there, but they're not catching anything. So some guy walks up. It just so happens to be Jesus, but they didn't realize it was Jesus. And Jesus said, why don't you just throw the nets to the other side? And then what happens? Well, John says, I recognize Jesus first, right? It, it was me. I saw him first. And it almost talks bad about Peter. If you read it, you can almost see it. And, and then Peter dives into the water because he wants to swim to Jesus. He wants to show that he's the fastest. At least that's when I read it. That's how I feel. And, 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 and it's kind of undignified, but he did it anyway. And you can almost read it that way. But then what happens next is so powerful in the story. Peter has a very powerful encounter with Jesus. We're about to read it. And, and you got to understand the backstory. Before the crucifixion, before Jesus died for you and I, Peter was very bold in his love for Jesus, and, he, and, and, and again, he almost took shots at the other disciples, like, Jesus, I'm, you know, like, like Peter, Peter said, I love you. If all, these all, if all these other guys fail you, I just want you to know I'm the one. I love you. Like, I, I'm for you. I always got your back. I'm for you. I'll never leave you. I'll stand by you. And Peter's really, really bold, implying to the other guys that they, they, that they would actually deny Jesus. And that's what he was implying. But what happens is the little girl comes up to Peter, and she says, hey, aren't you one of the disciples? 
And, and, and Peter goes, oh, I, I don't even know who you're talking about. And three times Peter denies Jesus. And what happens when he does that, it actually hurts Peter. He, he becomes so crushed because he makes eye contact with Jesus. And, and, and he's brokenhearted. He's devastated. He's humiliated, embarrassed, and crushed inside. And Jesus, the one who they believed that was the Messiah, was crucified. And now he's risen. And, and here he is. Here's Jesus again. And, and Peter says, Jesus says to Peter, this is so awesome. Do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, yeah of course I love you, Jesus. Yes, yes, I do. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Jesus says again, he said, do you love me? And Peter goes, yeah, yes, I do. And a, and a third time, he, he actually uses a Greek word, agape, which is God's love. It's his unconditional love. And he says, do you love me? Do you agape me? And, 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 and do you really love me? Peter's like, yes, of, of course, Jesus, I love you. And, and that's where we pick up the story. So here we are right here in John 21, 20, verse 22. And Peter turned around and saw behind them, who did he see? He saw the disciples, the disciple Jesus loved. John, sly dog there. Come on now. And so Peter's having this encounter with Jesus, and, and what does Peter do? There's my competition. There's my competition. So Peter asks Jesus in 21, what about him, Lord? What about him? What's his assignment? What do you have for, what do you have for John? What do you got for him? What, what's his assignment? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Jesus is like, why are you wasting your time? I'm talking to you. Jesus says, as for you, follow me. I want you to follow me. Come on, your assignment is to follow me. You're to feed my sheep. You're to, you're to feed my sheep. Follow me. That's all I want you to do. Don't worry about him. I called you to do what I called you to do. I want you, come on, your assignment is to feed my sheep, follow me. You've got to understand that we cannot, we cannot faithfully follow Jesus if we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. You can never fully be led to do what you're called to do if we're always looking over our shoulders say, saying, what do they have? What are they doing? Where are they going? Why are they getting more attention? Why do they have more stuff? Why are they more blessed than I am? We can never fully follow Jesus if we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. Why is it that we do this? Because by nature, we are sinful human beings. It, our nature takes us away from the heart of God and points it to ourselves. That's our nature. And there's no external accomplishment blessing, amount of money, relationship, satisfaction that, that will ever quench the inner spiritual longing we have for God. So the more we want, the more we want to be the best, you need to understand that there's never enough, there's never enough in this world to satisfy the spiritual brokenness that we have. You can't have enough money. You can't have enough likes. You can't have enough followers. You can't, you can't have the, 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 the best relationship in the world, the perfect vacation, the biggest house. You can look for it and look for it and look for it, but there's nothing on the outside that can, that can satisfy you on the inside like Jesus. Comparison is stupid. It's useless. It's a waste of time. It's destructive. It's hurtful. It makes you feel su superior and inferior. 
and neither honors God. There's no external wind that will ever satisfy the longing that we have. So what do we do? You'll find yourself, how are you? And you'll just be like, oh, am I worthy? Am I worthy? Do I, did I do good enough? Do I look cool enough? Did I buy the right clothes to fit in? Do I have the nicest shoes? There's never an external answer that ever satisfies and meets the internal need. And that's why we have to answer this very important question. And if we don't get this right, the truth is, we will be miserable. And we will be dissatisfied for the remainder of our life. This is so very important. It's so simple. So simple. But it's life-changing if we get it right. The question is, who or what is going to define my worth? Write that down. Who or what is going to define my worth? Because, because if I could get up in all your business for just a second, some of you, you're living for your friends, you're living for your cell phone, you're living for social media, you're living for Xbox, you're living for PS4, come on, you're living for football, you're living for cheer, you're living for dance, you're living for them. Whatever them is, you're living for them. You gotta please them. Who's them? I don't know who them is. You know who them is. That will never bring meaning to define your worth in your life. It will never If you're a Christian, you can probably guess where I'm going with this right now. But the answer is obvious, and it's so powerful, it's so important. If the answer is anything besides Jesus, if the answer is anything besides Jesus, you're running a race that you will never win. You'll never win it. You will never win it. Who or what is going to define my worth, my value? If your answer is anything besides Jesus Christ, you're running a race that you will never win win. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out. And I love this in Hebrews chapter 12. This is verse 1 and 2. Watch this as it comes up on the screen. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Do you realize that you have a race marked out for you? That there's a calling for you? There's a purpose for you? A mission for you? A lane for you to run your race that is marked out for you. And the Bible says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What do we do? We run the race that's marked out for us. We, we run the race that's marked out for us. Stay in our lane. Fulfill our purpose. We do what we're created to do and we keep focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I don't know if you've ever ran track. I've never had this problem. God gave me noodles for legs. But if you've ever ran track, then you know this. You never what? You never look to the left or to the right. You always look towards the finish line or you will lose. Just keep your eyes on the finish line. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You run with with perseverance. You stay in your lane. You run your race. And and you you don't look at what John's doing. You don't look at what Susie's doing. It doesn't matter what everybody else has around you. It only matters what God, when God's before you. And you're focused on him. You run your race. 
You run your race. You can't win anybody else's race. You don't have the tools to win anybody else's race. God has given you what you need to win your own race. Paul goes on in this metaphor and he says, he says, you gotta, you gotta run the win. And in 1 Corinthians 9, he, he talks about athletes being disciplined in their training and, and they're, but they're running to win a prize that will fade away. We're not running for a temporary prize. We're running for an eternal prize. So this is why Paul says to run with purpose with every single step. Every time I put my foot down, I'm running with purpose. And, and how do we do that? How do we run in our lane with purpose? We, 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 we do that by focusing and keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And what do we do when other people win? We celebrate them. In fact, I just want to encourage you to be a her person. When she's winning, you should be like, you know what? I'm tied to that because I encouraged so-and-so. I, I, I saw what no one else saw. Come on, anybody can look at somebody and say garbage, trash, idiot, stupid. But to look at somebody and say, God, what, what do you see in them? How can I encourage them to win their race? That's a challenge. That's a challenge I want. I want to be a part of somebody's journey. I want to be a, a her person, a his person, so that when they win, I feel like I won. You cheer them on. Maybe we even learn from them. If they're doing something a little bit better, maybe we incorporate that into our life. But we don't compare we don't compare to one another. It doesn't, it doesn't bring an inner validation to us. Only Jesus, only pleasing Jesus, serving Jesus, serving Jesus is the only thing to help us run with purpose. In every step, don't get from people what only God can give. Keep your eyes on Jesus and he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory to help you get to your finish line. As we close, I just encourage you to pull out your phone and screenshot this next thing. Three things about comparison that are so powerful. Comparison will compromise your calling. Comparison will compromise your calling. Number two, comparison will rob you of your God-given blessings. And number three, comparison takes your eyes off of God and puts them on yourself. Today, if you're like me and you've struggled with comparison, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If you've struggled with com comparison, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. I see a bunch of hands. Praise God. Praise God. We're going we're gonna to just close our eyes real quick and we're going to thank God. Father, we just come before you and we thank you for dealing with our heart and helping us to stay in our lane. God, I thank you that we get our value and worth from you and what your word says about us. God, if we don't have a daily devotional, help us get into your word daily so we can read the promises that you have for us and what you say about us. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us the strength to no longer compare ourselves to one another, to no longer look to the left or the right, but to only keep our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In the name of Jesus, Everybody said, amen.
And look, if you came in here today and you haven't made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to pray with you. I want to give you that opportunity. If you would bow your head right now. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through me. The Bible says in Romans that if you, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. If you've not started your relationship with Christ, if, if you'd say, Pastor Ben, I, I want to I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my life, to be Lord of my life, to lead me, to guide me, to teach me, and to give me salvation and everlasting life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I I, I saw that hand. Thank you, Jesus. We're all going to pray together. And I want you to repeat after me. And and when we do, Jesus is going to come into your heart and you'll never be the same. You are heaven bound. Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And he died on the cross for my sins. And Jesus... I receive you to be my Lord. I'm a child of God, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can we just give a round of applause? That is amazing. That's the best decision of your life. Look, if you made that decision, you can go ahead and text CHANGE to 97000. It's going to come up on the screen, and I just encourage you, you'll get get a 14-day devotional. We want to give you next steps. I'm so excited for what God...